0: The Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. And really quick, let's talk about this crazy concept called hard work. <laughs> so I'm taking a month off of running after the Monument Valley Ultras and, you know, trying to do some different training, like, you know, riding the bike and, uh, various different, uh, strength and conditioning kind of stuff and what I found is that I have an unbelievable (laughs) amount of energy built up because I'm not running and so I'll go to the gym do all that fun stuff and I'll come home and I instantly am like oh my god what am I I need to do something with all of this energy so I'll like clean the house like a crazy person or or I'm, I'm finding a lot of relief in yard work, which, uh, you know, I've, my wife and I just got a house, so we haven't had a yard for years at this point. And yard work is oddly satisfying. And so yesterday I was up in a tree, like I climbed a ladder and then I climbed into the tree even higher and because uh, we had a branch come down in this giant evergreen tree and i'm like sawing away with a handsaw for like 30 minutes and i'm like you know putting my legs like up and around the branches and and i'm realizing how you know why i do yoga <laughs> so i can like get in these weird tree climbing positions and i'm like grabbing onto the tree desperately with my right arm and i'm like sawing away with my left arm and It was very hard work. I was definitely out of breath. My dad even made a joke like, hey, looks like uh, this is different than weightlifting and running, huh? And he was 100% right. Yeah, because it was like destroying me. But when (laughs) the hard work paid off and the tree branch finally fell after like 35 minutes and I got to yell timber, because i'm a nerd like that it was really really satisfying so if i mean if you haven't worked hard for a goal and accomplished the goal you might be scared of hard work but if you just accept hard work as the means to the end then it kind of like reframes it in your mind and it makes hard work actually kind of fun and actually very rewarding and I bring all of that up because today on the podcast, I have one of my oldest friends, Jake Reed. And I've known Jake since I think it was like third grade. And I've watched him become the hardest working person that I know, hands down. Um, You know, he's Just in school, he was always the hardest worker. I just remember in French class, everybody slacked off. No one learned jack squat in French class except Reed. He was getting A pluses on all the tests. He's like, This is a piece of cake, guys. You just got to study. And we're like, Study for French? But he would do it. And it's not because he wanted to be a great French speaker, it's because he knew an end goal of just being successful. is is going to be found via hard work and so after that you know we went to college and he was on the uh, northern Iowa rugby team which was very very good I think they went to nationals Uh, he ended up becoming the president of the club and then from there over the last I want to say like seven or eight years he's worked his butt off to get his PhD um, because he wants to become a professor of exercise science. And this year he started his job at University of Northern Iowa and he's a professor and he teaches uh, about strength and conditioning and exercise of physiology. So dude's very knowledgeable, very smart, very intelligent. Um, I'm excited just to nerd out about sports with him because he's also a sports scientist for USA Rugby. yeah, man. I'm excited to share this interview with you. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And remember, work hard for something, whatever it is. I don't, Whatever your goal is, put in the hard work because it will eventually pay off. And maybe you can even find the joy in the hard work. All right. For the rest of our episodes, you can check us out on SoundCloud or... Just type in likeabigfoot.com, that's our website, or on Facebook. Um, The easiest way, honestly, is just to go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, and they'll pop up every single week. All right, guys, uh, episode number 34 of the Like a Bigfoot podcast, Jake Reed. All right, welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast professor jake reed yes i'm stoked man because this you're gonna be the first um oh this is just me proving how dumb i am what's it called scholar on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) obviously so
1: no i'm happy to just hang out and chat
0: yeah dude it's been i know it's been like such a crazy long journey for you um to get your phd so let me just brag about you super quick okay because i just looked up your your stuff online your like position and stuff <laughs> yeah man so you're an assistant professor for strength and conditioning and physiolog f- physiology of exercise
1: <laughs> yeah that's about right
0: yeah man All right. so and on top of all that i was so excited because we hadn't seen each other face to face for you know a few months or so uh and as soon as skype came on i saw your giant beard and it's it's even more giant so let me ask are you the only professor with a giant lumberjack beard
1: in our division absolutely uh yeah i'm the only one that's got this thing going right now and so i don't think anybody else is gonna try to do it they're pretty much set in their uh, appearance so (laughs) What
0: did your student? What was the the look on your students' faces when you walked in day one?
1: Day one, I walked in and I was clean shaven.
0: Oh, oh. (laughs) you grew that in like a year?
1: Uh, since September, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And I trim it too to make it look somewhat professional. But yeah, I was I was clean shaven in September, and then it just got a hassle to shave every every day. So I just said I'm just going to grow the beard back, and I did. Came back better than ever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I got to imagine, like, if I'm imagining some of my professors in college, they were kind of like towards the older side, um, feeble ish, (laughs) wearing (laughs) sweaters with mooses on them. And then in walks this dude with like a buzz haircut and a giant beard who's just jacked. I'm like, yeah, that pretty much, that's pretty much a strength and conditioning professor right there.
1: Well that's just it, is you wanna at least look like you know what you're talking
0: about. <laughs> yep. So so yeah, I mean I guess if you were talking to a complete strength and conditioning dummy, what would be some some laws you abide by? Um or like, you know, some general guidelines you you focus on?
1: It's just don't go too hard too fast. It's this, this, this is a, a lifetime commitment that requires consistency and it's okay to start with doing two to three exercises, not a lot of repetitions, not a lot of weight, because eventually that's going to come. You're going to get really strong, really quick in the first six weeks. And then after that, yeah, you're going to hit a little bit of a hard point. We know that's going to happen. That's totally expected, but then you just keep going and you keep rolling and you just Stick with it and never give up on it. And that is really what it comes down to is like 90% of this is just being consistent in all reality. It's really easy to do this well if you just do it and do it all the time. Don't go too hard all the time. Like you don't need to be feeling like you need to puke. <laughs> it's just go out there, get, get some good work in, and then do it the next day. And take some time off if you need it, but be consistent. Consistency and starting easy and progressing as you see fit will take you a really long way.
0: Yeah, man. I always have you ever read this book called The Slight Edge?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say read, no, but I'm quite certain I've heard of people talk
0: about it. Okay. So I heard about it because um, the Iowa football team all had to do like a book report in the off season on the slight edge, but the idea says, uh, is consistency plus time equals success. And it's, you know, doing the small things right, um, repeatedly over and over again.
1: Absolutely. That's a a big part of my, I think I actually, I follow Chris Doyle on Twitter and (laughs) I, uh, saw it. But a big part of what I preach and a lot of my research and everything that I do is about getting the basics right first. It's There's a lot of things that are really easy to do very well consistently that have a huge magnitude of impact. And we cannot ignore those. There is no magic bullet. It's just we need to be sure that we're doing the easy stuff well all the time. And then see where you go from there. And you're going to go a really long way. And eventually, if you do that for multiple years, yeah, yeah then you can start looking at the magic, the quote-unquote magic bullets. Yeah. But until that point, there's no reason to. There's tons of easy principles to apply to actually just get the results that your body is willing to give you.
0: Yeah, so what what, what would be some of these easy things to do? I guess from someone who's like in relative shape but looking to get stronger. Stronger. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, really, when it comes down to strength, it's you need to provide your body a stimulus that it is. Uh, it's, it's called overload. It's one of our principles, and we need to be able to provide overload. So if you want to get stronger, you have to do more than what you are used to. I actually talked about this in class today, Then I gave the example of it, at I, where I teach, I also was an undergraduate student, and one of the towers where I lived has 12 floors, and I lived on the top floor. And we had a fire alarm a couple times, and I was telling my students, like, look, if I'm going to try to get better at walking steps, yeah, I'm going to walk up these floors 12 twelve flights, I'm going to get really good at walking up 12 flights of stairs. But eventually, I'm going to need 13 and I'm not going to get it anywhere. So we have to eventually find a way to get that 13th, that 14th, that 15th floor to be able to provide a new overloading stimulus for our body. And it does take time. I consult for Renaissance periodization, and we a big training principle of ours is providing progressive overload but then recovery. So it's not only you need to provide the stimulus, but you need to allow your body to actually recover from what you just provided it. And that can be as simple as if you train four days a week, maybe you do two, two days on, one day off, two days on, and then the weekend off. You go in on Wednesday and you just, it's it's an easy day. It's recovery. You're not going out trying to do a lot of extra work and say if you're focusing on strength training, you don't go and do a ton of cardio. You allow your body to recover and adapt. There's a lot of what happens in training, it seems, is that people train and train and train and train and train really hard, which is great. But we need to be able to say, okay, I've just trained really hard. I've broken my body down to the point where it literally wants to break. I need to provide it the opportunity to actually recover, get back to normal, fix the things that are already broken. And if we can get the body to fix the things that are already broken, it will then actually say, okay, this stuff broke. I don't want that to happen again. So I'm gonna make it stronger. The brain's gonna say, okay, I'm gonna make some changes as well to ensure that these damages, which that's what it is. That's what strength training is. It's musculoskeletal damage to the tissue. We're going to ensure that we don't break it again. So not only when we recover, are we getting back to where we were, but we're also allowing our body to actually improve itself in the process. And that does take time. Uh, A good example of that is I'll have my clients go an increase in sets per week. So they'll start off with three, they'll go to four and then five sets per exercise each day. And then I'll give them a week where they have between uh, 66, two-thirds, and 50% of the sets and reps for the entire week. And they'll ask, what is going on? Why do I have so-? <laughs> we just destroyed your body. <laughs> Enjoy it. Allow it to recover. And we've had incredible success doing it that way. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, man. It provide the overload and provide the recovery, and you'll get a long way.
0: So. I mean, I guess it just depends on the athlete and the workout before, but if they did like a heavy day of squats or something, how much time should they take off before going back to that exercise?
1: It's interesting. You could actually get away with this about 48 hours. Okay. Uh, A a traditional bodybuilding program, for example, they'll do one body part a week and there is a considerable amount of evidence to suggest that one body part a week is just a waste of time in all reality because not only are you uh, not, tra- what will happen is, let's say I do squats on Monday and I'm not going to train my legs again until the next Monday, well I'm giving my legs a week to recover when in reality they're recovering between 48 and 72 hours later and then if I say okay, I'll make it make it up, for, I'll make up the work in that Monday and just do more sets and reps. Well, by the end of that day, you're so gassed and fatigued. You're not actually doing anything beneficial for your body because we need tension, damage, and metabolic stress to be able to stimulate hypertrophy as well as some components of strength. And so if you do that all in one day, you're not the end of your session is just a waste. So you get a nice condensed hour, hour and a half session on a Monday. Then you can go in 48 to 72 hours later, uh, like a Thursday, for example, and you can do another leg session, and you'll be perfectly fine. You'll be able to get a lot of work in for the legs. You'll be able to get more work, actually, accumulated throughout the week. And you're training your body and giving it the stimulus that it needs to keep those uh, pro- The protein synthesis is one of the things uh, that it's going to keep doing throughout the week. So it's, it's a really beneficial way to approach it. 20, 48 to 72 hours, you'll be golden for the big muscle groups. Smaller muscle groups like biceps, triceps, and shoulders, you can get away with 24, 24, uh, 24 hours up up to 48 hours. Maybe 48 for the triceps, but 24 for the biceps, maybe. Shoulders, definitely. There's a lot of different variety of shoulder exercises you can do to actually get that benefit. So I it comes down to the size of the muscle, but the bigger muscles take longer to recover, smaller
0: okay dude so are you are you applying this to your own training like are you practicing what what you preach or which i already know the answer because i'm looking at you right now but uh or are you like the cross-country coach who's driving around in the car yelling at people (laughs) (laughs) remember that (laughs) (laughs) it's like get out of the car dude and run are you kidding me no
1: it's so funny because we lived that in high school i know well we didn't run this country but that there was was that coach um that actually funny story like that impact that had a big impact on me it's like i don't want to be the person that wants that tells an athlete to do something and then just not be able to do it myself yeah um but for my own personal training i've had an interesting shift in the uh, over the last year so i did uh between 2012 2014 i've been training prior to but th- those two years i spent a lot of time doing strictly hypertrophy getting big i gained 40 pounds in like six months and i got <laughs> super fat but dude i was pretty strong for myself
0: dude i remember so we met you when we first moved to virginia and you were living in tennessee uh, getting your PhD, right. and we went hiking uh which was hilarious because we didn't get on the right trail so we're in like the most beautiful part of virginia but we're like going down into the woods and we're like where's the view but uh, (laughs) i remember you were like yeah man like two weeks ago i just got done with a with a session of that of weight gaining and you were like i would get out of bed and put my feet on the floor and be out of breath
1: (laughs) oh it was awful i developed sleep apnea (laughs) no way really oh yeah i was only 220 pounds but
0: was your wife thrilled about that?
1: Uh, not so much. She's a little <laughs> happier, but I'd like be uh, like having episodes in the middle of the night, and she'd have to elbow me just Whoa. to make sure I was awake. Yeah, it was crazy.
0: Oh, that was. Were you like bodybuilding at the time? Was that it?
1: Yeah, I was just straight up. I was just massing. Okay. And I was doing the cardio. I was doing was low impact. It was just enough to burn extra calories, not actually have any sort of an aerobic base. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting. So I did that for a couple of years, got up to 220, I cut back to 175, I gained again to like 198, 200, uh, and then when I moved to Texas, I was probably I probably started cutting down, and I was doing those same principles that I discussed earlier all the entire time. Yeah, because they work. You're able, you can vary exercises and get the get the work in necessary, but. When I was working for Texas A&M, it turned into a, I need to spend time with my wife whenever I
0: can. <laughs> Dude, get ready it's for a that. Really you're, busy schedule. You're about to have a kid, so, you know, it's good that you already have developed these habits of, you know, prioritizing your workouts and stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. You definitely learn that as time goes on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, and so she, loved, she loves running, and so... It, When we were in Tennessee, which was before Texas, she had started lifting, and so she came into my world. And I said, "You know what? I'll get into your world, and I'll start running again." And I did. I still did lifting, uh, but I did a lot more endurance training, and I continued that for oh up until we moved back to Iowa, actually. Uh, But then in September, I actually totally transitioned my training into training for sprint triathlons. Oh really? Yeah, it's been really hard. Oh, yeah. It's been really hard to get in any sort of lifting. I tried my best, but it's the volume of endurance training I have going on. It's so high that I can't recover from it because as you get older, it gets harder to recover from things. Yeah. Um, so it's I, I spend a lot of time just recovering from the endurance training. But once I have a try in uh, June, and then once that hits, I'll probably transition into doing a little bit more structured lifting. Cause it's absolutely necessary. Like for endurance athletes, strength training is hundred percent necessary.
0: Oh, for sure. Dude. I find a, such a huge difference in my recovery. If mm-hmm. I'm actively lifting weights while I'm doing my endurance training, you know, you oh, know right. what I mean? If I when don't get- though, I'll get hurt. Like I'll start feeling a lot sore after runs and yeah, man, it's kind of like you need the whole package.
1: Absolutely. And it'll, it'll improve your running economy. You'll be able to hold your form better when you're more fatigued. It's, it's got a lot of benefits. It just has to be done right. Um, but I've been, I want, I've wanted to do well with the tries. So I just stayed out of my train lifting. I do enough just so I don't get super weak. Yeah. Uh, Cause that would suck. Cause I've worked really hard to get to where <laughs> I am, but it's, it's been an interesting process. So I it's totally, totally new.
0: Has it, have you been swimming a bunch? Cause that'll get you jacked dude. Oh yeah. You can
1: get that. Da- you can get really lean doing it. Um, I am not, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been swimming like twice a week. I do, both. Yeah. I do the three elements twice a week. Uh, so it's six days a week of training. Uh, it's worked out really well, especially with my schedule. Um, uh, and so it's been a good, good approach. So I really enjoy.
0: There's something for triathletes that I never fully understood, but it was the name of the running store in Danville, but it was called the brick. Isn't that a thing for triathletes?
1: Oh, man, the run, the brick run?
0: No, isn't like a brick like a training plan for triathletes where you're like combining two of them? I don't know, man. This is me not knowing.
1: Uh, Oh, man.
0: (laughs) Now I'm going to have to look it up. This
1: this is one thing that uh, it's been I've thoroughly enjoyed. Is that you know I'm not really too versed in endurance training, even though yeah. I like it. So I actually have a friend of mine doing my training for me, uh, and he'll program brick runs. Okay. And I, I don't even pay attention. i just like, okay, I got to go do that. I don't look at what it's called. It's just it's just one of those things where, <laughs> you know, my job is, training and strength conditioning. Yeah and all in the human body and so when it comes to doing my own programming (laughs) i get really lazy not lazy with it but it's just like oh it's i what i just got home from work i don't want to do more of this stuff and so when you have friends and that are better than you yeah i'm using them (laughs) yeah
0: man well i i get that man because i've never had a coach quote unquote i've only you know set up my own training plans which probably not the smartest way to do it but after like it worked perfectly for like four years like it didn't bother me at all like figuring out what lifts i'm doing what i'm running and stuff but maybe it was after the second kid where i'm like i just need someone to tell me what to do like i'll do it no problem just please just tell me what to do for a workout and i'll get it done but i just looked it up brick is stacking two of the disciplines so you know like combining running swimming that's what i thought but i wasn't sure have you done many of those where you them? I
1: actually had a brick this weekend. Okay. Um, it was a 30 minute ride followed by a 10 minute, uh, run. It went, it was the first time I actually got to test myself. Like yeah. I've been training since September and I haven't really had too many high, high volume, high intensity tra- ru- training runs, Yeah. Uh, simply because you need to have an aerobic base to be able to get to that point. And it takes a while to develop it. But I it was great. I loved that. I I had my watch on. I used my heart rate monitor to pr- to make sure that I'm not going too hard with my training. But uh, I had that in my bike ride. Fortunately, unfortunately, the GPS was turned off. But then I went and ha- I ran afterwards. I had a sub seven over a ten minute nice, time. Nice, yeah, I that was, was awesome. really happy with that. Yeah, that's <laughs> really. fast. Yeah, that was good. So I'm I've got a mini try. I call it mini because it's oh, it's only a 300 yard swim, but okay, it's a 10 mile ride. But it's um, in two weeks, just at UNI. They're sp- uh, it's sponsored by our WRC. Um, cool.
0: What's the main? Uh, what's your main event? You're training for?
1: Well, it's to not die in the swim. <laughs> <laughs> That's not- priority
0: one. <laughs> that priority. That should always be a priority one.
1: But like, you mean the main competition? Yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, Pigman Sprint Try. Okay. It's a. It, I've done it once. I did it in two thousand nine. It was. Re- I really enjoyed it, and it was a super humbling experience because I, uh, I was a lifeguard at the time, and I was swimming. Yeah. Thousand. Yeah, I remember that man. Oh yeah, and I hit the water, and I, I didn't know it ahead of time. This was my ignorance, uh, but uh, there was a reason. Like ninety eight percent of the people were wearing wetsuits uh i did not have one and so i as soon as i hit the water and i didn't warm up or anything i just like seized up and it was like <gasps> and i swam to a boat and just held on and they looked at me like you're all right like yeah i did not know it was gonna be this cold and so i just sat there got used to the water and then just kept going but it was a uh it was a humbling experience yeah
0: man did travis do that one too is that the oh, one he did man. he did one and i'm pretty sure you did it and I'm pretty sure that we teased the story of what happened after the triathlon on this episode Travis was on.
1: <laughs> Ooh. I bet it was. I don't know if it was it might have been the same year too, actually.
0: I think it had we have were, been.
1: We were in under I was it was two thousand nine, so we had just Dude, graduated.
0: That had do you know what happened to Travis after that? Oh no. Oh my god dude i'll tell you later we're we're awesome. we're saving it for a future episode but
1: that's awesome travis needs to let that one out if it's that good
0: oh dude it's it's insane man i'll tell you in a little bit but uh <clears throat> but yeah man that's awesome i didn't know you were doing doing the triathlon so my other question to you is did your buddy who's giving you the training plans did he recommend the beard because you said you started training in september you started growing the beard in september and if you go to any endurance event, dude, people with the big beards, they have, like, special powers. Like, it gives them a little bit of a boost, like the boost of the beard.
1: It's got to be something with testosterone. No, it actually <laughs> it, it worked out well. Um, it was Saying it to
0: really me with, who can't grow a beard. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it was just really good timing. Um, he didn't hilarious. recommend it. It's been funny though, because my mustache will get in my face, into my mouth when I'm swimming. <laughs> oh, gross. So it's pretty inconvenient, to be honest. Yeah. But,
0: but it looks cool. Um,
1: yeah, it's been. Uh, I- I've enjoyed the beard. It's, it'll be a. It's gonna slow me down in some events, no, no doubt. No man. But
0: no man. It gives you. It, it gives you a boost. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> people who have beards can run faster and bike longer is what i'm i'm saying well um, i'm gonna
1: keep telling myself that
0: <laughs> so i know we scheduled this a couple of weeks ago and then uh something came up and we couldn't do it but then you mentioned that you're going to san diego to you're uh sports scientist. like i guess are you like a statistician or what to help out the usa rugby team
1: so with the women's national team our 15 squad I'm a data analyst officially okay well, I guess not even officially I just consult and help them out uh, <laughs> but that's my primary role but I also consult with sports science stuff um, so that's that was a trip it was in uh, San Diego um, when was it we played I didn't get on I didn't get down there until the 28th. Which was when we played Canada the first time, and then we played Canada again on the first. But it's been a it was a good experience. The yeah. uh, uh, last test matches before the Women's World Cup in August, which is in Dublin, Ireland. Are you going? I don't know yet. <laughs> uh, so the big one of the big things I pride myself on as an analyst is the need to not have me. Uh, <laughs> Simply because the stuff that we can do can be easily done through email communication and spreadsheet, and it it costs a lot to bring a person out somewhere where they could be doing it online. So I like to save people money as much as I can, but um, if they can fly me out, I'll be there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll be going, but we'll be doing a lot of prep, uh, doing everything we can to make sure the team's ready come August.
0: So what exactly do you do? with them because i I know you that you work with them and i know that you you know kind of research what they do but i I guess i don't fully understand like a day in the life of a sports analyst
1: (laughs) a day in the life so it's quite intriguing we get we have video analysis from 2011 so all of our matches since 2011 we have video from Uh, and we have two well we had two video analysis analysts
0: analysis dude I, um, i'm saying it wrong too i probably just put <laughs> that i accepted yeah, you,
1: you don't live it. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, no we had um we have two video analysts right now that are going there were there was another one in the past but that individual's moved on um so they're still consulting with this as well a little bit but what they do is they look at the video and they'll actually code it and say if this was a good tackle a good pass a good catch oh wow and then They'll code that and put it into Excel, and then I'll take it and actually organize it and do a da- database that we ever on, and then which I made, and then we'll do statistical analysis off of that. And I'm actually uh, looking over three students from the uh, Cardiff Metropolitan University in England, who are sports, I believe, sports analyst, 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 master students who are doing a really good job for us uh, in helping get a better interpretation of the data and just looking at it. But really what it comes down to is that in sports nowadays, people are inundated with data. And not a lot gets done with it. People either collect it because they think they're supposed to, or they collect it for recruiting purposes. Or if they collect it and then try to analyze it, it might be misused and misinterpreted. And so my job is to take that data manage it and organize it in a logical manner that allows long-term analysis to be done because it's not like you can just take take something and then say oh here's one day and it's going to tell us the world no you need years yeah with the data to be able to tell you all the information you're looking for and so that's my primary responsibility
0: what what kind of information are you looking for there like how do you how do you guys use that data
1: so really what we're looking for is cause and effect and so uh, a lot of what we have is the game data which is an effect you know they go into a game they perform a certain way the opponent has a certain quality they're either good or they're bad or they're as good as us Uh, and then that's going to result in some sort of outcome for a win but also for the individual and the team itself and so what we try to do is to find what happened prior to that game it could be the day before it could be a week before a month before or three months before or six months before it doesn't really matter. And so you try to develop a relationship between what we saw happen or going into the match and then the outcome and that that's that's the Holy Grail like to be honest that's really the Holy Grail yeah. is to be able to see exactly what's going on and then predict how the match is going to go.
0: Just based off of everything that's happening before the actual match.
1: Right. And so a lot of what is done to do that, you know, in life we have so many stressors. And and that's really what it is. We're trying to quantify whatever kinds of stressors that are going on. And so we can do questionnaires that people fill out on a daily basis. You can get performance testing in the weight room. You can get um, psychological tests. You can track nutrition. You can track a lot of stuff. To actually see what is going on. And if you have all that information, outstanding, but it's kind of useless if it's not organized and looked at in a meaningful
0: way. And if you're not using it to perform better.
1: Right. It's kind of like if you have a fitness watch, like Fitbit or whatever kind of tracker watch you have, um, and you look at it, it gives you a snapshot of the day. And then it might tell you what you did in the week, but what else is it providing you beyond that? Is it telling you how much is too much? Is it, I mean, really what's going on? I have a a tracker watch and it was the most complex thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And it's that it actually knows how many steps I take a day and then adjusts it, my day recommendation based on that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. There's actually an algorithm to say, okay, you only walked 5,000 steps a day today. Uh, I want you to do 5200 tomorrow or you're okay, we're going to have to decrease this because you're doing less and less. And uh, you're like, and so,
0: okay, "Okay, watch." <laughs> you're like talking. It's actually
1: me. really interesting. I when I was at Texas A&M, I had that same watch and I was getting between 10,000 and 13,000 steps a day be, uh, on top of the cardio that I was doing. And I got to you and I and I was sitting at a desk for 8 hours a day. And I was getting <laughs> 2,500 steps during the fall. Wow. 2,500 and 3,000. And so it, it was ridiculous. I had to go out and run 4 miles just to be able to make sure that I was having some sort of activity daily living and so i actually built a standing desk for myself uh, so i'm not sitting anymore nice. i'm using that I, I used that information to say holy cow i need to fix this um but it's it's tough like those watches don't provide you that great of a snapshot of or uh, information over a long-term period of really what's going on you have to know it yourself
0: yeah what's the one you have called
1: Uh, it's the Garmin Vivoactive. It's their older version. They have a new one that has heart rate embedded into it, but, um, it's just the, it's their like attempt at the Apple watch. Okay. But I I think the Garmin, I think they did a really good job.
0: Yeah, man. That sounds like if they're giving you recommendations now, they just have to add, you know, like an electric shock. If you don't get it,
1: it's you know what's funny is it vi- it does vibrate.
0: No way, really.
1: It. Oh yeah, it's like it literally says move.
0: No way. Like, yeah, <laughs> serious. Does it every once in a while? This is what I would do if I was so. If Garmin, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, this is exactly what I would do. I would have it do all that you know everything normal, and then one day, every few months, just recommend a crazy amount of steps. Like, just like, oh, you did ten thousand. Your average is like ten thousand. Today you're doing thirty-five thousand, and it's just okay. called, man up day, and. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be nuts. Even when I did, I've done a couple half marathons, and I still only get twenty thousand a
0: day. Really?
1: That that's a legitimate man up,
0: dude. Yeah. I had it in my I had a Fitbit or whatever. And granted, it's not that accurate. That's the one. I mean, I stopped using it because of that reason. But I had it in my pocket during an adventure race, which ended up being like a 10-hour deal in Boone, Iowa. And I remember that night sitting there eating a burger like, let's see what my Fitbit said. And I, dude, I swear to you, it said like 55,000 steps. And granted, oh. I was also on a bike, so I don't know if that really messes it up, but... It kind of blew my mind.
1: <laughs> no, seriously, there there's a lot of difference between the the, the multiple like, fitness tracker watches. Yeah. Like mine was, I was running, and my boss was not, and we were running, walking pretty much the same amount per day for work in in Texas, and he was getting like probably another 50 to 75 percent more steps per day than I was. No way. Oh yeah, and we just had two different watches, and that's what it came down to: is that some watches I think way overestimate. Yeah. And, but I think Garmin, Garmin's got their stuff down. There's a reason I went with Garmin to put it lightly.
0: <laughs> well, I, so I guess I get why it is is good for like motivation. I mean, if you're if you're going from doing absolutely nothing, like just besides sitting around all day, and you right. get a Fitbit, and you know, like now you're aware that you're only taking you know, less than a thousand steps a day or something like I get how it's good motivation for sure. But beyond that, I guess I just don't really see, I don't really see the purpose of it.
1: Nope. Exactly. Yeah. And that's exa- that's exactly what happened.
0: So I guess I did actually want to ask you about motivation because you, you've been a rugby coach, you were a strength and conditioning coach for a college football team in Texas a and Like, how do you motivate I guess, how do you motivate athletes? And then we can talk about how you motivate yourself. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, well, first, I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't a strength coach with Texas A&M. Oh, really? I was at, yeah, I was actually a sports scientist. Like, my title was a sports scientist oh, okay. with a specific role as a data analyst. But my office was in the weight room, and <laughs> I was there every single day Yeah. Uh, in the weight room. So while I didn't actually like participate as a strength and conditioning coach. I was, I, I've been a strength conditioning coach else, elsewhere, but just not at Texas A&M. Yeah.
0: You were but, also like interacting closely with their strength and conditioning coach.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, athlete motivation is a, it's a really interesting thing. It's, um, it's something that you have to be acutely aware of. Uh, it's actually a big reason why I like doing daily questionnaires uh, you can, people will tell you, tell a piece of paper or their phone a yeah. lot more than they'll tell you to their face. Uh, and that's been the case for a long time. It's really kind of scary to talk to people face to face. And so the daily questionnaires work out really well.
0: Well, and you know what, like at, from a teacher perspective, it's a way for them to, um, kind of self analyze, you know, like you're not, lo- when you start just writing about how you're doing it makes it even if you do actually like write down a lie on the paper in your mind you're thinking like i'm lying right now like it's a very obvious way to like bring up those issues of like i mean i guess i don't know exactly what the questionnaires were but it's like are you skipping reps like how's your nutrition
1: it's it's similar to that and it's really useful but so the best ways that i've ever found you like help athletes stay motivated is to give them variety uh, and to be 100% upfront and honest with them, like you go to them and say, "Look, today's going to suck. <laughs> You're going to be doing all this work, but guess what? Tomorrow you have really low low day. You don't have practice at night, and so on and so forth. Just like lay lay the cards out for them, and so that way they know. Okay, I am just going to go all out today. You know, a lot of people nowadays are using these athlete trackers and GPS technology. Yeah. Uh, they think it's going to be a good means of motivation, which some people it actually does work for because these GPS trackers can actually tell you how far you went traveling a certain miles per hour. And
0: so So they use it for like during training. Oh yeah. Okay. So they're saying like how fast people are running.
1: Oh, totally.
0: I, I could see how that would motivate, you know, if your buddies run a little faster than you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, at A and my boss was amazing, and he broke it down into position groups, uh, and then he would actually show the distances traveled, 16 plus miles an hour, <laughs> and it works as a great motivation tool. Yeah. Oh, this guy beat me, uh, not tomorrow. <laughs> but that the other thing to note is that when you, if you have that kind of scenario, say, hey, look, I know you want to beat him, but we're not doing that tomorrow, so you gotta. Yeah. Like, oh a yeah. T- place for it that makes sense but athlete motivation is really intriguing and so you get into late in season like when i used to do a strength conditioning for volleyball um, you have to be aware of the athlete which no amount of technology is going to help you like there's an art to coaching and that's never going to change and so there there was a couple days where our we, it was funny, at the weight room, it was when I was at East Tennessee State, we played disco music. Nobody would, no, you can't argue, like, A, you can't argue with me, because I was in charge of the radio, and I was part of one of the supervisors. And B, it's, it's upbeat music, it gets the job done, but I did two things. One, I would either take the music away and just have it be really quiet uh but or b if i saw that the athletes came in and were just kind of lethargic and they didn't have the motivation going and it was just a lift that they just needed to get in and do it say all right what kind of music do you want to listen to today yeah beyonce really okay (laughs) here we go and i just pull up a beyonce station on pandora or something like that and they they would immediately like be not necessarily become motivated, but they wake up, they do the work, and hopefully it made their day a little bit better and a little bit more bright because yeah. there is a grind to the season.
0: Dude, well, you remember, man, even in like high school football, the last few weeks is like, you'd hear a few people always just like, I can't wait till the season's over. You know, oh, they it, yeah. just be just worn out, man, because it's having a big time goal, like a successful sports season is, it's hard to mo- maintain just like how pumped up you are for that over months, you know. Like maybe you're super pumped for the first game and the first couple weeks, but then after a while and when it starts becoming routine, it's like, oh man, how do we, how do we get these guys like back to their the feeling of, of the first week?
1: It's it's exactly right, and it's honestly, it's I don't think it's something that you can replicate. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a totally different beast. Even looking at it from a physiological standpoint with the GPS, the numbers when they fir- when people would first start uh, like a preseason, it's totally different than what you see going on because there does become this lethargy with, man, I, it's, a, it's a grind. Yeah. And you either got to grit and grind and buckle down and do it, or uh, which is a part on the athlete. Like they got to expect, there's an expectation with what they do. But as a coach, it can also help to just do a little something to help with the motivation. Uh, there was a, my first season with Texas A&M. It was it was wonderful. Uh, coach Sommelin has a really good eye for his team, and he uh, and it was publicized with ESPN and everything. But we had a PM practice schedule. that was a two a day. We had an AM. They had already gone through, and they are getting ready for the PM, and Coach knew that he was going to use this. And then he had them all come out. He said, all right, everybody, back to the locker room, pads off. We're going to the movies. And it's one of those things where, as a coach, being aware of your team and what you want to accomplish and the cost benefit, it's it's a huge thing. So yeah, it's it's about doing the things, knowing your athletes, and doing what you think is going to be beneficial to them. Like those volleyball players I was working with playing Beyonce was just enough. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: other there's people. Yeah, other <sighs> people like you are like oh, Beyonce, but. <laughs>
1: Exactly. It's not my... Nothing against it, but that's just
0: not my type of music. I read... There's another book. If you haven't read it, it would be probably... It's interesting for anybody who's in charge of a group of people, and it's just called The Happiness Advantage. And basically, like, I'm just into nonfiction books with really simple ideas, you know, like (laughs) Slight Edge. is like, do the small things right. Over time, you'll be successful. And then The Happiness Advantage essentially is... People who are happy are going to be more successful, <laughs> you know? Right. And like, like you said, you can't expect everyone to be like, you know, happy every day, throwing rose petals and skipping, skipping into the weight room. But, but the more you can focus on their happiness, uh, the better you're going to do overall.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. there's There's no doubt about that.
0: So how do you get motivated for yourself? Huh
1: man that's been hard lately (laughs) it's really hard like at etsu when i was doing that bodybuilding stuff it was or i was just training to get big yeah it wasn't even bodybuilding but um
0: how many hours a day would that take to train to get big the
1: longest session i had was a three-hour leg day but otherwise (laughs) it would be about an hour to an hour and a half
0: dude what is what's a three-hour leg day like
1: Oh my goodness. It was awful. I think, (laughs) I don't know how many thousands of kilos of weight I moved that day, but I calculated it because it was really high. I want to say it was like 40,000 kilos, (laughs) but it was a lot of load. That's insane, Uh, man. Yeah. It was just a lot of sets of a lot of, not even a lot of exercises. It might've been five or six exercises, um, but it was one of those days, and I I, I did not do multiple three hour day sessions. I, I had one three hour day session the entire time I was doing
0: that, and it's yeah. just
1: because it like okay, this is the peak of our volume phase, and that was the plan. Yeah. And I understood that, uh, but it was like motive being motivated for that kind of session was I had training partners. Okay. Uh, I had friends. Uh, it was we were training in the athlete weight room, so there's always somebody coming and going. But now it's a lot harder to be motivated because it is totally a solid it's a solitary approach to training because it's it's kate and i my wife where yeah. it's just us doing training and she's eight months pregnant right now and can't re- she can train and she does train she yeah, still yeah. Lift, runs and does all that good
0: but it's just good for her
1: we can't run together anymore so much uh, on low days i can but it just it just becomes difficult yeah and so my motivation just becomes you know what am i really doing this for is it to do well at the races which i want like i'm tired of beginning second and being that person that gets second simply because not a lot of people showed up <laughs> <laughs> uh or, or running like a Seven and a half minute mile and getting do, placing well is like no, I, sh- I shouldn't be placing well with that. I actually want to be good at it, but yeah. it's also just, it's a long term life perspective thing. You know, people that are physically fit, they they have mu- you know skeletal muscle mass, they're strong, they have better qualities of life. Yeah, and so there's that aspect you know i want to look like i know what i'm talking about uh probably at the very bottom of the totem pole but it's a place to be is that i have clothes that fit me now and if they don't fit me then i have to go buy new ones and i don't want to to do that
0: (laughs) that makes sense man (laughs) yeah dude so do you when you're doing the training do you like listen to music or
1: i used to um and so when i lift away I listen to music okay but uh, i've actually turned it into now it helps with my motivation is i we have a tv downstairs where our weight room is and where we have our um, like my bike set up and so i'll turn that on when i'm like if i have a really leisurely ride you know it's iowa in the winter and so i can't go outside so if i have a 60 minute just ride it's okay i'll turn the tv on but if i ever go on a run i don't wear headphones Nice, man. If I'm ever outside, it's, it's no headphones. And I saw a couple of your posts talking about it, but then it also turned into a safety thing, really.
0: Definitely. Dude, if you're on the road, especially. Well, yeah. and for me, if I am running with headphones, which, to be honest, I did write a post about why you shouldn't run with, with headphones all the time. And, you know, if I'm in a new area where I don't know the area, or I'm trying to experience it, I won't have headphones in at all. But, you know, if it's the same old loop that I've done 25 times already, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll usually just put one in because you're right. right, dude. It's a huge safety issue. I mean, so just random tangent for a second. The mountain I run out here, North Table Mountain, um, a couple weeks ago, and I haven't ran on it for like three weeks, right? And in the three weeks I haven't ran on North Table Mountain Just all hell is broken loose. (laughs) What? So there was a story um, of this guy was trail running and he had like both the headphones in like wraparound headphones and stuff. And a mountain biker like tried to pass him and couldn't. He's like, hey, man, hey, I'm right behind you. And like the dude couldn't hear him, you know. And eventually another mountain biker came from the other direction, got the guy's attention, whatever. So the dude behind him passed him, like kind of shook his head a little bit. And I guess the trail runner didn't take too kindly to that because the next time he saw that mountain biker, he beat the holy hell out of him, <laughs> like no. stomped him, threw him off his bike, threw his bike down a hill. Like it was crazy, man. Um, wow. And then last week someone was mount, like rock climbing there and a giant boulder fell on him. So, you know, basically not I, not need to, I need to get back to restore the balance to the force. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: a Taylor. good way of putting it yeah man. well shoot even there maybe a year or two ago there was somebody in iowa that was running on a the road Iowa
0: football player right uh oh, this might be a dude it happens all the time
1: yeah they're running on the road in the winter they have headphones in and then a snowplow comes up and the snowplow doesn't either see him or tries to stop and can't well guess what
0: yeah Dude, it's crazy, man. There's the, There was an ex-Iowa football player running on train tracks, and I mean, oh, I guess you can right. guess what happened to him. Like, a train yeah. hit him, and he died. It's insane, man. So, yeah, wise move. Wise move for you.
1: <laughs> it's, you know, your, your post was not about, for those reasons necessarily, it was more about getting in touch with yourself. But yeah. they have both benefits.
0: <laughs> they do, dude, they do. So when you're watching TV... I guess I'm just trying to lead you to one of my – one of the best workouts I've had in the last year was after – you watch Game of Thrones, right?
1: Uh, I've seen up oh, to no. the what, – what season just played? I think I've seen one through five.
0: Oh, so you haven't seen the season? season no. six. Oh, dude no. okay
1: i here's a funny thing is like game of thrones as anybody that knows the story knows it's super hard to follow it's
0: so hard to follow
1: <laughs> unless you have like a map of exactly where everything is supposed to go yeah uh so i just keep up with oh okay that person died oh okay this happened like i i you know in reality like there's very few movies that people can spoil for me yeah uh And that's not – or TV shows even, and that's not one of them. I'll watch it and be entertained either
0: way. Okay. Can I, like – I don't know if this is a spoiler. It's just the title of the episode.
1: Spoiler alert for those that may be listening.
0: (laughs) You're cool with it, though? I'm cool with it. All right. The best workout I ever had was this last season I watched – in the morning I watched The Battle of the Bastards which is oh, a battle yeah. obviously yeah. and it got me so pumped up I'm like I got to go to the weight room right now and I was like doing battle ropes and like clean like he- or power cleans and stuff and <laughs> yeah man so once you get there dude plan like a really hard workout that day when you get to that I'll episode have- yeah, I, I'll
1: be honest. I, I take advantage of the free month whenever it pops up. Like, I don't even pay for it. it. It's just, I don't, I don't stream anything illegally. It's just like if it's if they're offering a free month, and hey, I'm going I'll do it and I'll binge watch it. And
0: season. and you're smart enough to cancel.
1: Yeah, I, I am because I know if I don't, I'm gonna have to explain why we have a eight or fourteen dollar charge or whatever it is. I don't want to have to do that.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, dude. Uh, any, any other advice you want to share? Like I said, the first scholar, this is a very – This is, it got to episode – I think we're on 34. So it took 34 episodes to get an academic on. <laughs>
1: uh, I think, you know what, ending with that uh, thought process is pretty good because it doesn't take going through college and doing all of that stuff to actually – like be successful and do well in any field. Like The reason I got to where I am and have done the things I have done is because I had a goal of what I wanted to accomplish. You had like a do vision. Uh, I did. I was like, oh, you know, I graduated from UNI, hey, I kind of like doing research, I'm going to go find a place. Oh, University of Memphis it will take me. Awesome. I'll go down there. And so I went down there and I learned more about myself and i found out hey i really want to work with athletics i wonder where i can go and do that do i do an internship do i go and just work somewhere oh no there's this place where i can go and get my phd and do research Ah, okay i guess i'll go do that and so it was all about finding the opportunities and just living life and finding the opportunities as they arose and how they fit my personality just trying to be as honest with myself as i could uh i didn't need to go and get the phd yeah i like teaching yeah i like doing research and working with athletes but I did that stuff because that's who I am,
0: and you were interested in it.
1: Exactly, yeah. it was. I didn't do it because I was forced to. I felt like it was. I had to. I didn't. I, it wasn't like, you know. There, there's a different perception of the college degree nowadays, and we have to acknowledge that. And yeah. it's go and get a degree if you really, really, really want to. But there's no reason to go out and get one if you just want to go and work and make money. Like that's. Yeah. I mean that's that's what it's about, and so.
0: Well, man, are you? It would love. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you feel like when you're at work that it's work, like it's hard? I mean, uh, I'm sure you do sometimes, but overall.
1: Yeah, it's it's intriguing. There's points where no, I don't feel like it's work at all, and then there's other times where it's okay, I've got this thing called tenure living, looming over my head that, <laughs> that I've got successful. it. If it's even going to be here in the next six years, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but in five years, five years, six years, uh, I do have to apply for tenure. And if I can't get tenure, then I have to find another job. Yeah. Uh, and so there is that pressure to okay, ensure that I'm always taking steps to reach that goal. Uh, and granted, those steps, it's, it's steps I know how to do, and it's there's no problems with it, but it's just it's a, it's a little bit of a monkey on the back just to make sure that, you know, I, we came back to Iowa because we wanted to be here for a really long time and that's the goal. And so yeah if we can't accomplish that, that, that's kind of a problem. At least it it seems to be for now, but that's the only time where it doesn't feel like, or it feels stressful. yeah is just getting those things done. And then also when you have, you know, grad students that want, They have dreams and aspirations, and then I want to help them as best as I can. So it gets a little bit nerve-wracking just ensuring that I'm putting them in the best possible scenario. But that's the nature of the job. Yeah, man. Just things I'm getting used to, but overall, it's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, I got to imagine the tenure thing. It's just like any big goal you have looming on the horizon where it looks almost inconceivable when you're looking at the whole entire thing. But when you look at like, what do I need to do today to push move uh, move forward towards that goal? That's probably pretty obvious, I have to imagine, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely! My whiteboard in my office is just it's filled with a plan. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) good. To ensure that I'm doing that,
0: (laughs) I'm glad it doesn't just have like a big question mark on it, like i don't that know that
1: would be hilarious just just leave for like during summer just leave and have a big question oh, you mark should, then, man
0: like, dude you should
1: i'll probably do that
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right man well hey man i love talking to you and i'm hoping we can have you back on the podcast someday
1: oh uh, likewise i enjoyed it
0: all right dude well you have a wonderful night professor Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you Chris. see ya. And that wraps up the podcast this week. Thank you, Jake Reed, for chatting with me. You're the man, as always. And uh, yeah, this week, I'm a simple man with a simple message. Do some hard work. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. See you.